I first came upon this artist and I was like, wow, this guy's doing big things in Baltimore City. When I mean big things, big things. He has his own concert in Baltimore. And then I've never met anybody who played at Firefly that looked like me. And I was like, wow, I got to have him on my show. And if you know about Firefly, it's one of the biggest concerts on the East Coast. It's outdoor. You know, like Fish, Dave Matthews, bands like them, but somebody looks like me. Representation matters. Back to business. We'll be right back with these messages. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. You know what? I had to get this artist on. He's on everybody else's show, but not mine. And I had to make it happen. I was like, hey, let's, we had to, we had to re, rerun it, do it over time, get it done. And I'm like, we're going to make this happen, brother, because I really want you on the show. And we met at a really cool function at Visit Baltimore. Shout out to Visit Baltimore. And I had already know who he was. And I was like, let's go on the show. Let's make this happen. And we finally did. So without further ado, the artist, Mr. John Tyler, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Finally, glad to be here after all the complications we went through. Uh, it's yeah, I'm incredibly excited for this interview. Hey man, so let me let me read the bio. Let me let me get let me give people the bio real quick. Okay, <laughs> let me give the bio because I always get oh, it's black excellence, so it's black history. We're gonna read that. John Tyler is a 22 year old artist, multi instrumentalist, multi genre producer, founder of Love Groove Festival, and a film score for Under Armour. Bloomberg Philanthropies, oh, I'm saying it wrong, Visit Baltimore and Maryland Public Television. He has been featured in Charm TV, Baltimore Magazine, 92Q, WTMD, and more, and Firefly. We had to put that to Firefly in. <laughs> Bro, he gave me three paragraphs. I can only give, we could talk all day his bio. That's how high his bio is. Folks, John Tyler's the show. What's up, brother? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was great. Bye. Man, we're going to have fun today. We're going to have fun, man. I'm happy to be on the show. Happy for you to come to the show. Again, we're making it happen. We're going to do what it do. We're going to give people, show people what Baltimore's all about and the amazing artists that we have here. So let's let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. So um, where are you from in Baltimore? Tell everybody, where are you from Baltimore? And where did you go to high school? Give us a little quick background. Yeah, so I am from Hose Heights, which I actually recently just found out is considered North Baltimore. Uh, my street is called, or my street was called West 43rd Street. So the whole time I thought I was from the west side, but technically speaking, it's the north side. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Hose Heights and I went to the Baltimore Design School, which was an amazing time. I got to study architecture and interior design and a bunch of other cool things. So yeah, <laughs> that's a brief background on, you know, where I came from. Hey, it's all good. So what was your favorite childhood memory growing up in Baltimore, man? Oh, my goodness. It's literally so many favorite childhood memories. So I guess growing up, I was really 
I fell in love with skateboarding. Before music, I was actually on the path of being a pro skater. Like I was doing competitions and a whole bunch of stuff. And skateboarding was another asset of where I could be with different, like, you know, communities and races and everyone's together as one unit. And I, those days of, you know, skating in the street during golden hour, someone has a giant radio, music is playing and everyone is supportive of everyone. Those were like, those were great times. I look back on those memories like, wow, that, that was that was amazing. You know, people don't realize the old school. I used to have friends who had the big boom box and had the tapes. And that's we, I mean, like, you know, it's like the yep. radio Rahim, God bless his soul from do the right thing. Or not was it do the right thing? Yeah, do the right thing, but radio Rahim. But yeah, it was like everybody had the boom box and it was just a good time. That's when people hung out with each other and just had a good time. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. The boombox was still there. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the batteries go out, boy. You'd be in trouble. You gotta, gotta get those those big batteries. Yeah. But uh yeah, so we wanted I wanted to get go to with a different angle. Me and you have spoken about several times. You've been on different shows, and we want to talk a little bit about something a little bit different about you. I mean, we know about the music scene, we'll get into that. But you were telling me that you wanted to be an architect growing up. Yeah, the audience is a little picky behind that because I know you said a lot of people don't know that about you. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I actually surprisingly have never spoke about that, and that was such a big part of where I am today. Okay. Um, so I found architecture through the video game called Minecraft um, in middle school, and I got so obsessed with Minecraft, and I was building these gigantic houses and mansions. <laughs> uh, like it's like literally the craziest thing. Maybe I should send you like a, a picture so when this comes out, you can showcase oh, how good I was in Minecraft. Please, please yeah, do. please do. And then uh, eighth grade, that's when the design school came about, and they were I was the second graduating class, so they was uh, fairly new, and they said I could uh, apply, and that my whole application was literally Minecraft houses and mansions, hey. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and then I, when I got in, I was, you know, super happy about it. And then I got into, you know, the real architecture class and come to be realized that Minecraft is nothing like real architecture. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. Uh, got to know your math and a whole other list of things. And yeah, and I just kind of fell in love with design. And then I ended up kind of hating design. Uh, and actually, recently, I funny enough, and I was talking to Amber at your show about this because you told me she was an architect. I really fell in love with architecture again and uh, looking into designs and interior design and a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, going to design school really helped shape who I am. It really helped shape how I approach making music. Wow. And wow. yeah, and I know I was watching an interview of Ice Cube. Most people don't know about Ice Cube is before he was a rapper, he was studying to be an architect as well. Um, and he was saying the same thing, like being going through the process of designing and, you know, having an architect's mind, it helps you make better music and approach music differently. So that was definitely a big part of how I do things now. So we're, uh, while you were going to school for architecture, <clears throat> school design, um, where did music come in? Was music always a part of your life? Or was it something you picked up later in life? Was it was it just something parallel? Did you grow up? Did you have family that was like played instruments? How does it always happen? Yeah, so music came in in uh, elementary school in fourth in fourth grade. Guitar Hero Three just came out. <laughs> I 
was obsessed. All my neighborhood friends was playing it. I was so obsessed with it. Begged my mom to get me a TV, Xbox, and Guitar Hero 3. Got it. Was playing it for like a year straight. I was so good at it. And turned into like, okay, let me play real guitar. And then from there, the following year, I created my own band. We performed at the uh, eighth, I mean, the fifth grade talent show. Got a standing ovation. I was felt like the man knew I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, but didn't know how, and I kind of, you know, gave up on it at that time. And uh, so here comes, you know, high school. Uh, the whole time I was writing songs, producing on the side, uh, I really wanted to, you know, really pursue music. I realized I didn't want to do architecture after realizing of the process of being an architect and all this, you know, how many schools you got to go to and colleges and how many degrees you had to get to be an architect. And design school really supported me musically because every time there was like a little event, they had me, they called me, they was like, hey, come play guitar and come sing your songs for this event. Um, anytime, you know, they allowed me to have my own after school program where I was making beats at the end of school. Literally all my classmates were coming in. We was all like rapping and singing, uh, showing <laughs> each other each other's beats. Um, and I started my festival really at the design school, which another thing most people don't know. Um, I wanted, you know, my first ever curated show, I wanted to like perform and there was nowhere to perform. And I begged my principal to allow me to, you know, mm -hmm. call, cancel out last period. This was around the time it was like midterms. Uh, and we was doing a whole lot of testing. Let us have this last period. Uh, me and my friends, we make a bunch of songs. Let us perform. Um, I had a DJ. There was a basketball court that we set it up. And that was my first ever event. And that was ninth grade. That was like 2013. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> you a go-getter. You said yeah. So you, you had that passion already inside you. Yeah. And like, what was you, what was the support from home? Like family, friends, how was the support like saying, Hey, we believe what you got going on. How did that, how was it, how did that shape you? Well, my, my mom and grandma were definitely my biggest supporters. Uh, my grandma is an artist too. She's like a really incredible jazz pianist. Hmm. Um, man, my mom just understood it cause she's been surrounded by artists and she was, very very supportive my dad took a little time because he didn't really get it like the whole skateboard thing like the whole the music thing because i was like really into like rock and other stuff and he 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 came up in a time uh where black people were a certain way like he grew up in the hoods of harlem and new york in like the 60s and 70s so his perception of how black people should be was completely different but within time he uh definitely came around to support him in terms of friends it, it took a very long time for like friends to like get it, especially my sound at the time, because this was at a time where like Lil Wayne was dominating radio, literally everything. Drake was dominating everything. And it was like a certain sound you had to have. And here I am coming in with like a jazz, rock, hip hop, R&B, classical song, which kind of sounds crazy to most people at that time. And it took, you know, quite a few years to really gain support. And even for love groups, like the first love group that I wanted to do, uh, the idea was getting, you know, different musical artists from every, for every scene and like putting all these different genres on the same stage. I sent out like at least 60 to a hundred invites. I got rejected from literally everybody. <laughs> like no one, everyone's like, that doesn't make sense for us to be a rock band and to perform with the same stage with a jazz band and the jazz people saying the same thing hip-hop mm -hmm. people say like it, it literally took lots of time and like 
trying to win people over and staying consistent on my craft for things to really catch on. Hey, so, tell, tell them they've never been to Bonnaroo. They've never been to any festivals. Uh, they are rock. Yeah. Rock is every, you know, I mean, I grew up, you know, kind of like, like run DMC and Beastie Boys. And then it was always that grunge, like Nirvana sound. You know, I like Nirvana. I like Green Day. I, I like, you know, exactly. The dopest concerts I've ever been to um, was um, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've seen them. That was just dope. Bruce Springsteen was dope. Like, those are really cool concerts just because you see the instruments playing and you see like the talent it takes to do it. So I like, I like the style you're talking about. I really do. What was one of your favorite artists growing up, I guess, then asking if you want to, you know, to get that sound, like, like <laughs> find that sound that you like, that you're like, damn, I kind of want to be like him a little bit. I kind of like that style. I want to take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that and just combine it and make it my own sound. So I guess Guitar Hill 3 had lots of 70s rock music. So a lot of 70s rock really caught on. I was really into Green Day, specifically Brain Stew was like one of my favorite songs. Okay. And American Idiot, like that was, I was in love. Of course, Nirvana, that's like, that is, that's classic. Uh, I was really into this band, uh, this metal band called Killswitch and uh, Killswitch Engage. They were like, literally, I think I was bumping Killswitch Engage more than anything. Mm. Uh, that was if you haven't heard of them definitely check them out they're like they mix kind of like these jazzy chords with metal and it's like the most insane thing ever uh <laughs> yeah i love, I love them. It. i love it though but that's what makes you unique and have your own sound and i love hearing exactly. that and that's what's all about so folks give us two seconds two minutes we'll be step away real quick we're gonna jump in and we'll come back because we got some cool stuff to talk about we're gonna come back we're talking about mental health we're going to talk about some of these amazing, amazing concerts that he's been participating in. And we, we just going to do in the future because we're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll be right back at this message, folks. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouthwatering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m., or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com, and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. And hey folks, we are back with musician Mr. John Tyler. Say what's up to the folks out there. We'll say what's up to them. What's up? <laughs> so, so, okay, so what would you say is like, Baltimore has a rich history of music. Rich history of music, okay. Yeah. 
what would you say like we talked about your sound but like like your sound how did it the scene in baltimore adapt to your sound like was it first like hmm i'm not i don't belong over here in this lane am i bringing this lane like how did you figure it into that scene like the music scene it's funny enough uh kind of trying to go into different scenes uh like being with the hip-hop kids and being with the rock kids and being with the jazz kids and so on and so on there was always an outcast at the show outcast is at the show that you know kind of my same predicament that wanted to fit in um they took influence from this but they didn't necessarily fit in uh all the way and uh, I guess you could say kind of like how there was like traditional jazz. And then when uh, smooth jazz came out, it was similar to jazz, but the jazz, like the uh, traditional jazz people wasn't really messing with the mm -hmm. uh, smooth jazz people. So it was mm -hmm. kind of similar to that. Um, and then over time, as you know, music has developed, like the biggest artists like uh, Childish Gambino and like Tyler, the creator and Janelle Monet and all these multi-genre artists, when they started to, you know, get hit records and started to be number one in the charts, I think, you know, worldwide musically has been shifted and people's ears has been opened up to, you know, this new sound because, you know, I'm not mad at, you know, my come up and people not accepting me because, you know, there was, they never heard anything like it before. Like, you know, if you grow up just listening to straight hip hop, a straight trap it's gonna be hard to listen to something that's like mixed with like so i'm not even like i understand it i understand it it's new you know give it two years you're gonna fall in love with it i guarantee you so that's that was my mindset of everything and you know as the city has really started to develop uh community and unity and when that started happening and everyone started accepting everyone and everyone was going to every show that's when artists like myself who do multiple things and has you know quote unquote weird sound started to be more and more accepted. So I think, you know, I just want to give flowers to the city, you know, for changing as a whole and for allowing everyone to have a voice. So that's, yeah, I really got to give it up to that. That growth it. is incredible. I love it. So let's talk about mental health. It goes hand in hand with a lot of musicians. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that and the journey for you that's taken with you for the music and with everything in the background yeah so I, I for the longest time i didn't know that you know your mental is a big part of everything i kind of you know as black men raised here you know you kind of told to suck things in don't you know don't ever speak on how you feel and to be like a certain way be tough like you you'll be fine and kind of having that mentality things kind of uh made things kind of blow up for me like my latest project uh, free spirit um the whole project came about because i had like a full-on panic attack in the middle of my sleep and i felt like i was uh gonna die and then you know in the in the morning i was i was out the rest of the night after that situation in the morning i was so confused on you know what happened and learned that you know overtaking projects can really help your body tell you like yo you need to chill out and really affect on how you know you move things and even with love groove I had a terrible situation happen uh like my lawyer who was helping me with the love groove and helping me get deals done he died like a week before our last event and you know uh and I had to do it was not like I could stop the show because you know we had like 30 artists involved staff was like 20 we had like 15 sponsors that like helped put on this event and nothing could like stop and I really wanted to just walk away uh 
but I couldn't do that. And then after the show, I was still lost for a while. Like people who uh, bought merch, like we sold uh, online for our online viewers, sold about like 50 hoodies or something like that. I did not send out the hoodies until like December because every time I picked up like Love Group stuff, I was just thinking about him and I just started like breaking down. So also apologize to everyone who bought a hoodie that got it five months late. Uh, but that was the reasoning because I was like really broken down about it and, you know, didn't know how to process his passing, you know, um, and we worked so hard to do it. So it was, it was really a big shock. Um, and that go to say that like your mental health is sometimes even I might say more important than the physical. And it's funny enough, because I was listening to your podcast, one of your most recent episodes, and you was talking about everything you was going through and how no one knew what you was really going through, but things had to continue. Um, and that's real. And um, and I was just, just about to say that, you know, mental health is something that black men don't ever talk about. We Like you said, suck it up, keep it moving, don't even talk about it. And just like you said, like I had my dog who passed away and it was like my dog had been with me for 10 you know, like 10 years straight, you know, I was, you know, 11 years, you know, that's mm. the with you every step of the process. Those days that you that that are horrible, that dog still cared for you. So people didn't, like you said, you keep on pushing because you got it. You answer somebody, hey, this sponsor, this person. And, you know, you can tell a person a story, but will they say, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it today. <laughs> or they're going to yeah. be like, we need the deadline done. So again, I took a break just like, you know, I took a break like you. Like I took a break. It's like, I can't do anything. And everybody was like, hey, let's, let's I want to do an interview. I can't do an interview right now. Let me just chill. Yeah. Let me get my mentals back to where it needs to be. Once I can get back, I can reset and help out people better, you know? And I guess I'm sorry about the lawyer. I mean, how many people really knew about your lawyer passing away? Nobody. Right. It's my first time speaking about it, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. We dropping, we dropping jewels and gems out here. They're, okay. Okay. That's, that's an exclusive, folks. He's yeah. telling us the real story on... How did you get through that process of love group? We'll talk about what love group was. Like, how did you get through that process? Like, how did you have anybody to talk to? And like, I mean, he's doing all your contracts. So who, how, like, how'd you survive through that part? Man, give us a little tidbit behind the scenes. Well, I guess uh, surviving, I mean, well, I guess me getting through it first, I was, I was doing a lot of writing. Uh, I have lots of notebooks, uh, a lot of praying. Um, and I mean, because every time someone was talking to me, it wasn't no one wanted to hear about how I was feeling. They wanted to hear about the money. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's, you know, it, it was kind of hard to really say anything, uh, especially the event being the week, the week after it happened. Um, so, yeah, that was it, it was definitely like a, a rough process that, you know, after the event, I, I definitely took mad long and time to myself and to really yeah. figure things out and that's why you know like i said the merchandise took so long to come out because right. i really needed that time to be to myself um and I, I think you asked what was the process i mean what was the behind the scenes of yeah for you i mean just for you you're running the show you're doing this you're doing that and it's just like what did you just did you have a team to help you out with that assist you and whatnot yeah so i i do have a, a small little team um, and behind the scenes, it is kind of uh, chaotic. I know moving forward, I'm going to have to get a bigger team. Not chaotic in a bad way, but because Love Groove has uh, kind of, and I'm just thinking about it like this, like there's a lot of different departments. Like I have the people, like the marketing team, like the editors, the photographers, the videographers that are making promo and shooting and doing all these things. And then it's like the, the main staff, 
uh, at the event, you know, who's like, you know, helping people out that need to be helped out. And then there's like the sound team, the people who are making sure the quality at the event and the sound sounds great. The bass is good. The microphone's not too piercing. Uh, and then there's the artists that's involved. And it's a lot of different departments in it. And I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> literally everybody's calling my phone. And uh, so it's a lot that, you know, happens behind the scenes and me running so many different things. Um, uh, but yeah, I do at the actual event, I do have like a full on team that's helping because I definitely actually at the event, I didn't do anything. I was literally in the chair relaxing. I had a cocktail. I was watching the show. I was like, there's a problem. Don't don't call me. Uh, handle it, please. I don't want to deal with any issues. Uh, and, you know, it, things got done perfectly. Everything went well. So, <laughs> so, so tell the listeners about what Love Groove is. Tell such we were talking about. Give us the, the one minute version of what is the Love Groove? What is that? What, what, what was it? Yes. So Love Groove was an idea I started when I was 17 in high school. And I started it because uh, growing up here, there wasn't really much performance opportunities. And like I said before, all the genres at that time and all the different scenes were separated. Nobody wanted to be together. And I thought it would be an amazing idea if I could figure out the way to have, you know, to be in a really great venue, to pay everybody and for all these genres to be together. So, you know, all of our, uh, you know, followers and communities are together. Kind of like I was looking at like Atlanta, like, wow, this is like the home of Young Thug to Childish Gambino to Janelle Monae to Gucci Mane. And everyone supports everyone as one, regardless of genre of what part of the city they come from. And I wanted that for here. So over the last, I've been doing it for the last five years. We're going into our sixth year now. I currently have expanded into visual art because I've been talking to a lot of visual artists. I'm friends with a lot of people. They said the same thing. Like there's all these venues here be taking 40% of profit and they be, you know, they really be, you know, doing people dirty. And it's like, what can you do? There's nowhere else to showcase my art. And so now we're expanding to visual art to help artists out and also expanding to education because I realized uh, that, you know, performing, getting paid is great. It's good to put on your resume, but how can I help you long-term wise? So having people who's already in the industry making really big moves, especially that's from here, coming down, giving advice, you know, mm -hmm. talking about taxes, talk about budgeting, talk about things you don't learn in school. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the whole idea of Love Groove. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, tell us a little bit about Firefly. How'd you get in Firefly? How did that even happen? Yeah, so Firefly came about because of this artist named Peach Face, who is a dope, uh, I would consider her like indie pop. If you're into that, definitely check out Peach Face. Uh, yeah, she called me and she was like, uh, I'm trying to do a band. I'm trying to put together a band. I'm performing at Firefly. I said, Firefly? In Delaware? Like the, the third major festival in America, Firefly? She's like, yup. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I was inside. I was so excited. I was, I was so hyped for that. Um, and yeah, yeah. And she and we, you know, we played. It was literally incredible. The same stage as Billie Eilish and Tame Apollo mm -hmm. and, and uh Megan Thee Stallion and literally all these big name mainstream worldwide artists. Like we literally opened up for all of these gigantic artists and was like the best and like the food backstage oh my goodness like, <laughs> i'm talking they had like lobsters wow uh, the best burgers ribs steaks the whole vegan section all fishes i never heard of was like 
was it was literally the most insane thing and we're like eating in the same like denzel curry is like you know two seats down from me like it was crazy like literally crazy that's like dope. the best time ever yeah that's, <laughs> that's that's really dope that now how did you work with under armor how that happen you got how'd you how they how that come about that came about through a dm funny actually funny enough all my deals have really been through instagram dms uh <laughs> this guy reached out saying you know we're, uh it was a different organization that was filming for Under Armour. Like Under Armour hires a different film company to do it. And they were uh, looking for someone to do some scores for the Devin Allen campaign. Um, and he did a whole thing with Steph Curry uh, and uh, Dee Walkings and a whole bunch of other people. And they asked me to do some music for it. And I got to do it. And it was literally in incredible. And it was funny to see Under Armour because we was like talking in their comment session. If you could like go back to that video, uh, I'm like, wow, this is really Under Armour, really commenting, commenting me on Instagram, and we're like talking. That, that was that was crazy, uh, and that's how my year started last year. That's literally how the year started. I love that. I love, and give the audience a little bit of what kind of flavor that that the new album to drop, and then the album, and a little bit of the flavor, and what they expect when you when they pick it up and they, when they play it in the car. Yes. So the new project, Free Spirit, it's uh, it's dedicated to those really going through you know going through something that's dedicated for you to relax to enjoy to you know to process you know what life is at this current state and moment to live in the present and even if you want to listen to it while you're uh, sleeping doing work walking is literally made for that or even just a good drive especially during golden hour or at the top of the morning uh but i really made the project for those really struggling with mental health and need like relaxing music to deal with their current situations yeah, man, you drop so many jewels, so many gems. <laughs> and we're gonna have to run it back another episode later on in person. Yes, indeed. Because I, I told you we're gonna have to do it on live. We're gonna do a music score and just do some things. And and uh, I really wanna, I really commend you for coming out and talking about the mental health because that needs to be talked about. And with men, black men, because that's very important. A lot of brothers mm -hmm. out here are committing suicide and things of that nature because a lot of things that we're not talking about. So that is very, very important for this Black History Month. Talk, black men, talk, talk, reach out, get a therapist, talk with people. That's what we need. We need. We need an outlet, you know. And and I mean, what what do you have to say for it before we head out? Let no, I definitely, I definitely agree. Don't be. I know it's hard to uh, to overcome that barrier of feeling like you can't reach out to someone. And I definitely think getting the help you need to express yourself rightfully as a human being is something all black men really need to do because it's definitely been something we've been dealing with for years and we've just been sucking it up but now is the time to us for it to be finally free so definitely you know <laughs> if you can afford it get definitely get a therapist i would say pick up any activities to help you release your stress for me that's biking writing making music um and i definitely think that's something that that needs to be talked about so I'm glad we covered that. No, but that that is very important. So speed round. I always do a speed round, everybody. Crab cakes or crabs? All right. So I love crab cakes better than crabs, but the community of eating crabs, like with the whole family or neighborhood, is like you can't you can't overcome that. Like that's the best. Okay. That's the best. Snowballs or ice cream? Love ice cream. Shout out Be More Licks. Love them. <laughs> breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. I eat breakfast for dinner. 
Flats or drums? Drums. Okay. And what's, With high what's, what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received definitely has been to stay consistent. Know it's going to be a bumpy road. That times is going to be hard, but at the end, it will, everything will be worth it. And I see that coming true. I love it. I love it. Hopefully, maybe I can go to be in a love groove concert series and do a podcast. I don't know. I look at look at look at me drop me, me. Look at me trying to get in. But you know, that's actually in the air because I was uh, <laughs> we, we like to have educational speakers and people involved who like to talk. So that's actually written down on my <laughs> on my list. So we're gonna see, we're gonna see. Uh, but the, hey, Mr. John Tyler, can we tell tell people we can find you on TikTok, uh, Instagram, t- Twitter, YouTube? Tell them we can get everything so we can get you all plugged in. Yes, so you can find me at everything at John Tyler Sounds. I'm glad everything is one thing that makes it so easy. Uh, John with an H, not a J-O-N, because people be messing that up. And you can find Love Groove at Love Groove Music Festival um, or lovegroovemusicfestival.com. We are currently changing the name to Love Groove Festival. So hopefully when this comes out, everything will be changed. But either or, it'll still come up. Nice, nice. Yeah. Folks, again, thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on No Picks for Dark on IG, Twitter, TikTok, all that craziness. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're celebrating this back to business. Great great musician, John Tyler. Blessing, honors, whatever we can do to salute and amplify your voice, we'll do it, okay? Love, peace, and we're out. Peace. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.